we all desire to be. That was God's plan from the very beginning as He produced all things, as He prepared the way for us in this life and in the next. But the thing that allows us to understand all of that, and this is our third and final point tonight, God proclaimed. He proclaimed. He produced, He prepared, and He proclaimed. God has always revealed Himself to His creation. During the patriarchal dispensation, He did it through the head of the family. We might say the head of the clan, and that would have been Adam to begin with. And God delivered His message to Adam. He told Adam what He expected. And He didn't expect something that Adam or his offspring could not fulfill. But that's how they received their instruction. God doesn't expect us to know something that He hasn't told us. And so that's how we understand and how we know that Cain, the son of Adam, understood and he knew what a proper sacrifice was. He brought an improper sacrifice. Abel didn't just get lucky. He didn't bring something that that he had on hand as a choice of sacrifice. Notice what Moses said. In Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you mad? Why are you wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Genesis 4, 4-7 Of course, during the dispensation of Moses, the Mosaic Law, God communicated to the people through the prophets. And the people communicated to God through the priests. And so we had the great lawgiver and we had the prophets. And that's how God delivered His message. We remember in the account of the rich man in Lazarus, Luke 16, do you recall the the rich man? He wanted Abraham to send Lazarus back to his brothers. He had five brothers at home. And he knew they were ungodly men. They were just like he was, and he did not want them to join him in his torments. So he wanted Lazarus to go back and, and plead with his brothers. But what did Abraham say? Luke 16, 29, he said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. If they wouldn't listen to Moses and the prophets, he went on to say they wouldn't listen if one came back from the dead. So that was the way in which God communicated. That's the way He did it. He wasn't going to change His method simply because someone was pleading from the punishment of torments to change that message. But God has revealed Himself to us differently in the Christian age. No longer does He use the head of the family. He doesn't speak directly to us. No longer does He speak directly to a certain few of the prophets. He speaks to us in another way. Notice the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. He says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. Paul said that He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Thessalonians 2, 14. But why was it 
Why was it that God revealed Himself to us? Why was it that God would go to all the trouble to which He went, creating such a paradise for us in which to live? Preparing this place, not just in the physical realm, but in the spiritual as well. But why would He proclaim and reveal Himself to us? Well, the answer is in just a few words. He wanted to rescue us. He wanted to save us from ourselves. He wanted to save us from our sins. We learn that God has saved people in the same exact way from the beginning of time. Now, His his method has changed, but it's the same way. The only way to salvation is God's grace accessed by faith through obedience. That's the only way. Adam was saved by grace. You know, there are those in the old, uh, uh, that say in the Old Testament, you can't find grace. There's no grace in the Old Testament. We only have God's grace when we get to the New Testament. Now, if that's true, Moses was not aware of that. In Genesis 6, verse 8, he said, But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Ezra cried out, Ezra 9, verse 8, he said, And now for a little space grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape. And to give us a nail in His holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. In the New Testament, Paul said this, Romans 5, beginning with verse 1. He said, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, talking of Christ, also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. God's grace accessed through faith by obedience. That's how God saves. He's always done that. But it's not God's grace alone. We're not saved by God's grace alone. God has extended grace to the world if we will access it by faith through obedience. He won't make us live in a a righteous manner. We spoke of the, the godly Joseph this morning. God didn't make him live in that way. He chose to access God's grace through faith by obedience. What kind of faith did all those people of whom we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, what kind of faith did they have? Everyone, each one, had a working, obedient faith. They all did something. In each case, we see that Abraham, he got up and left. We read about Abel offering a more perfect sacrifice. We read about Rahab showing kindness to the the spies coming in. We read about all those judges that were mentioned. They did something. They didn't work their way to heaven. We cannot work our way to heaven. We can't do enough good works to get into heaven. But Paul was speaking of man-made works. But if we do not do the works of God, we'll never get there. What was Christ asked on one occasion? Tell me how I might work the works of God. He said, the work of God is to believe on Him who He has sent. Faith is a work. 
Paul said, bring forth works worthy of repentance. That's a work. That's a work of God. Confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, just as the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, is a work of God. Going down into the water, being immersed, so our sins can be washed away, coming up to walk in a new life as a new creature, is a work of God. Living a godly life is a work of God. We can't do it by grace alone. God would have us all to be saved, Peter said. So he extends that grace. James said this, James 2.17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. But he made this statement as well. James 2.24, he said, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. How can we read those words and ever imagine that we're saved by grace alone, faith alone, or by works alone? It can't happen. We have to have all. God will rescue us, but He will only do it according to His plan. And that's what He's given to us. The great Creator gave us all that we know and all that we have. And I know we're thankful for that. Those who claim that God does not exist do so because they have a closed mind. They don't want to look at the evidences. But even considering everything that we learn in the Bible, do you know at no point does God ever set out to make the case of His existence? He simply says, in the beginning, God. What an amazing thought. The only specific thing the Bible has ever said about atheism is found in less than a half a verse in two different places. The psalmist said, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14 verse 1. The same statement is made in Psalm 53, verse 1. We see the greatness of God revealed to us. We see the great Creator, His great love, all the things that He's given to us that can be ours. The greatest words ever recorded. In the beginning, God. Come to God tonight. Whether in initial obedience or repentance of sin in your life, as we stand and as we sing.